When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this very special episode of TFL Talking Cars, and today we are going to be talking off-roaders, because with me I have a special guest, uh, his name is Justin King, uh, and Justin, thank you for coming on this podcast. Absolutely. And Justin is the head of PR for um, Colorado 4x4 Off-Road and Recovery, uh, and so we are going to be talking about, uh, well, off-roading and what happens when things go wrong, right? Yep, we sure are. <laughs> and if you guys want to meet Justin in a more personal manner, uh, you can go over to TFL Off-Road where we just took uh, the Bronco and his uh, Jeep Wrangler Wheeling up Miller Rock. So man, thank you very much for taking us up Miller Rock with your buddy uh, and then taking us down to the river. That was quite the video. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a ton of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, before we get into kind of you know what you guys do, uh, recovering and rescuing people here in Colorado, Justin, I, I want to talk about your rig because it's interesting. So uh, you've got a Wrangler JL. Yep. Uh, and tell me about the lift on that. Yeah, so it's uh, it's a 2018 uh, JL Rubicon, and it's just got the Mopar two inch um, like dealer installed or factory installed lift on it. But and, but um, it didn't go according to plan, did it? No, it did not. <laughs> um, so I I've only had the Jeep for like two and a half years. Uh, even though it's an 18, I bought it you know early 19, um, and it it came you know as as equipped and uh, at at about 12,000 miles uh, on the odometer, I started noticing uh, death wobble symptoms. Yeah. Um, just, you know, slight vibrations in the steering wheel and, and things like that when you'd hit bumps that not completely uncommon for a solid axle vehicle, but they started getting worse and worse and worse as time went on until about 12,500 miles full-on uncontrollable death wobble. Yeah, so for those of you guys who aren't familiar with death wobble, it affects vehicles with solid axles yeah. more than independent suspension. And basically what happens is, and I gotta tell you, I had the worst case of that. We had an old Comanche that we purchased and I was going down uh, the diagonal heading back to Boulder after we purchased it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought there was an earthquake. It gets yep. that bad. You're going down the highway at like 55, 65, and all yep. of a sudden the front wheels start to shake back and forth and the wheel starts to shake back and forth and then it just, gets this resonance frequency where you're gonna you feel like you're gonna lose control it's, yeah. it's terrifying yeah it it's pretty bad uh i i've experienced the death wall on all three jeeps that i've had yeah um and so you know i, I kind of knew that it was coming uh, i was just waiting for it to get to full-on like now something is actually detectably loose yeah and then i could diagnose and get it fixed so before we get into all the interesting recoveries that you guys have done over the years tell me what you did so you've got this death wobble in this brand new jeep with the mopar lift yep. uh, hopefully you took it to the dealer and they said uh, 
They didn't say what a lot of people say, which right. is you're crazy. Yeah. So I've, I've actually, I've got a really good relationship with a dealer in Wyoming. And uh, I, I just I dropped him a, a email with a video link just showing how much play there was in the drag link going down uh, from the string box. And uh, they said, yeah, we'll get that part ordered. Um, I verified that it was really under warranty since I, I mean, I'm not hard on it, but I definitely drive it off road. Yeah, but that's and, what it's uh, meant for. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what it's meant for. And they said, yeah, everything's, it's under warranty, no problem, get it up here. Um, and then when they put it on the rack, they found that basically the entire front end was loose. Hmm. Um, it wasn't just the drag link. It was the tie rod ends were shot um, more than I could diagnose on the ground. And the, um, uh, I forgot the name of that bar. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, the track bar, oh, track the track bar, bar excuse okay. me. Yeah. So, the, and the track bar bu uh, bushings were totally shot. So, yeah. so, what, so what did they do? Did they replace it all? Uh, they did. They ended up replacing it all. They had the drag link in stock when I got there and basically said, you know, like, we, we can't just put this on here because this isn't going to fix the problem. Yeah. So they ordered in all the parts that they needed. And, uh, about four or five days later, they came, it, it all came in and they fixed it up and it's driving fine ever since. Yeah. I mean, but it was a whole, you know, with the exception of, uh, the control arm bushings, all that steering related, it, it all had to be replaced. Yeah. Basically so. what happens is they're slop, right? It gets yeah. into the, into the, uh, solid axle and the way that it connects to the steering box. And then yeah. you've set up this resonance frequency and the wheel starts to wobble and uh, yeah, yeah, it's no good. Yeah, I was setting it off at anywhere from 30 miles an hour to 70. Yeah. I could I could set off death wobble going over the train tracks in, in town. Yeah, it's, you know, so. over the years, it's uh, the one thing that a lot of people have written us about because when it happens to you for the first time, it's terrifying. Yeah. And it's not just Jeeps, it's you know anything with solid axles. So yep. heavy duty trucks often have it. Yep. Uh, uh, and so it's a, it's a relatively common problem. So I'm glad you got it fixed. I'm glad the dealer and the manufacturer did the right thing. Yep. Uh, and if you want to see Justin's Jeep, head on over to that off-road video. Uh, it's up, it's a, it's a, the thumbnail is the Wrangler, his Wrangler, his buddy's Wrangler, and of course our Bronco and we go up uh, to Miller Rock, which is um, a really interesting trail that, that stayed open late this year because we've had very little snow. Yeah, I, I, in fact, I think you can still get to it. Yeah, today. yeah. So if you wanted to go out there, you could still yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, um, if you're looking for where it is, uh, use our friends at Onyx Off Road. Uh, go to Edward, the little town, uh, and check out Miller Rock on Onyx Off Road, and they rate the trail, and you can actually check out how to get to it. So. Um, yeah, that's a freebie for Onyx. All right, so tell me about uh, Colorado 4x4 Rescue and Recovery, Justin. Tell me about the organization. How did it get started? Yeah, so um, Colorado 4x4, the, the concept for the organization, uh, that was born in uh, uh, August of 2014. Um, I mean, this this has been going on for you know longer than that, but um, basically some folks had to leave a vehicle on Redcone. Um, just like you had to do with that Defender. Yes. And, and when you did that, this popped into my mind. <laughs> um, uh, so some folks had to leave a vehicle up on Redcone. Uh, so I don't know if it was just flat tires. I don't remember the that's, exact. That's what happened to us. If you yeah. haven't seen the video, we took a, a Wrangler, uh, the Defender, and the Bronco up and over Redcone, and we got kind of past what I call it. It's not officially the gatekeeper, but there is a little gatekeeper. Yeah, there is a bit of a gate gatekeeper. gatekeeper. And then we started going up that kind of steep hill, and because of the way of the trail is, we had to go up and over rock, and because of the fact that Defender had 20s on it, <laughs> yep. we, I blew the sidewall. <laughs> We swapped out a couple the, of times. Yeah, we swapped <laughs> out the spare, 
Uh, and then Tommy blew the sidewall, and then we were done. <laughs> yep. So it's, you know what? It's a not a good feeling leaving like a seventy thousand dollar brand new Defender. Right. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking, I wonder if things, this thing's going to be fine because a lot of people, especially on the weekends, right? That's right. a pretty busy trail. Yes. And I'm assuming you were up there on a weekday. Uh, we were uh, up there on a week. It was like a Friday. I think. Yeah. So I mean, really, you, you know, usually speaking, you're okay. Yeah. On, uh, most of the time, you're okay anyway. Like, so, this, so what do they, what, what do, they do yeah. with these vehicles? Uh, I, I don't. I don't have all that. Uh, like exactly what happened. I just know it had been vandalized. I don't think they broke right. windows, but it's really common for us to find vehicles that have sat for a few days that have slashed tires or broken windows or bullet holes in them because. Uh, because that's you know, what people do, yeah. That's it's yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's a shame. It's ridiculous. But um, so this concept for this organization was born after after that. Um, those folks had you know had put it out there on social media that their vehicle had been vandalized on a red cone. So there was this need for some kind of uh, team group uh, folks that were willing to go help people you know in their time of need off road. And generally speaking, off roaders are. Out, outgoing like that. They'll help anybody. Anytime I've ever come up on anybody on a trail that's needed help, prior even to being involved with the, the org, you know, we, we stop and help them. You just, you want to get them off the trail. Yeah. And, you know, um, when you think about it, so you're kind of in the worst possible place. Right. Uh, at, at a very kind of exposed uh, altitude. <laughs> yep. Potentially weather's moving in. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it, it could be terrifying. So obviously, if you've done the right thing and you have your buddies along, you, you're yourself are going to be okay, but then you start to worry about right. the vehicle. And in other places, and, you know, like Utah comes to mind, there are services that you can use, which right. are very expensive. Yeah to actually uh, go and rescue you. Is, is, do like professional services like that exist here in Colorado? There are a few yeah. uh, towing companies that yeah. are actually set up for like off-road recovery, recovery yeah. and, and towing. Um, there's quite a, or, well, I shouldn't say quite a few. There's a couple down towards Colorado Springs area. Okay. Um, and I know that there's also one, um, I can't remember the name of the company, but I believe he's on the West Slope closer to Grand Junction area. Yeah. Um, so there are some of those that exist out there. And I, I assume they're pretty expensive. Yeah, I, I would assume. I've, yeah. I've never personally been in a situation where I've needed a, a, an, like a professional service like that. Um, and I don't think like AAA covers that. I think specifically AAA doesn't yeah. cover you when you're... I don't think they do. Yeah, I think you're kind of on your own. Yeah. Uh, and then you're at the mercy of whoever goes and recovers you. And the great thing about what you guys do is that you're a nonprofit. Correct. And you're a bunch of volunteers. Uh, and you guys do this, you know, as uh, a community service, which I think is incredible. Yep. Yeah, we became a nonprofit in uh, the fall of 2016. And that's kind of what kicked this organization into its uh, legitimate official, like it's a state recognized search and rescue and off-road recovery team. So before we get into kind of the more interesting ones that you've been involved in, tell me how this works. So I'm out there, let's say I'm on Red Cone, uh, like I was, and we leave the Defender there. And, you know, we have resources, obviously, so that we can actually come and go get it, right? right. We've got a full yeah, set of guys, and, and, you know, we, got, we, can we can sort it out ourselves. But let's say it was just, you know, a normal person that didn't have those resources. How would, how would they get themselves off the mountain yep. with you guys? So, shockingly enough, uh, with the advances in cellular technology, um, there's a lot of places in the mountains that if you can just get up a few hundred more feet, you, you have got, you full 4G and 5G. Yeah. Um, so you actually can just call our, our dispatch number, uh, and we have a, a team of dispatchers. It's 100% volunteer, uh, I mean, including myself. It's all volunteer. And uh, they'll take that call and do that intake on it, um, you know, vet it out, make sure it actually qualifies for our services. 
um, which is, uh, you know, 90, I'd say 90% of the time it does. Uh, it needs to be a, a forest road, like a off-road trail or, you know, not a county road that's maintained. Right. Um, and then, then you can get just a regular. Yeah. And then, yeah. Regular record. If, if a tow truck will yeah. get to it. Yeah. You know, they don't need you guys. Them, yeah. Once it's a vetted call, uh, it gets paged out to the, to the team and we start building the team. All right. So I've been doing a lot of, you know, wheel in the summer and there's a lot of people who come here from Kansas and I'm sure they don't even know that you guys exist. So how would, let's say they don't know, let's say you're from Kansas and all of a sudden you get a flat on a red cone. Yep. How would they, how would you guys get involved in this? What would, so, be, the, what would be the process? Yeah. So one thing that, that we, uh, we do kind of notice is uh, social media. Um, people will just put out like, hey, I need some help oh. on these different Facebook uh, pages or groups and we get tagged in them. Okay. And then, you know, there's 200 and like 30 or 40 of us uh, on the on the team. Wow. And so we're between that, we're on almost every off-roading Facebook page in Colorado. Okay. Um, someone will, you know, reply back to that person, like drop the, the phone number uh, to the org and get it going that way. Or uh, if you search for like off-road recovery, we should pop up in the top Three or four. What what is your like phone number? It is uh, 720-722-1204. So write that down, folk. Yep. <laughs> Play yep. this video back. We we get a lot of calls. We well, ran a uh, we paged out two calls yesterday. One ran yesterday. One's running today. Well, congratulations. So, yeah, or or yeah, my condolences to whoever got. It. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, what's your website in case people want to check yeah, it out? Yeah, uh, it is uh, www.co4x4rnr.org. All right, so let's say that that nobody you know gets. People don't get a hold of you on social media or your phone number. Will you ever get a call from like the sheriff's department? Yes. Um, so, as part of the growth of the organization, um, when we started getting recognized, uh, we did some pretty big uh, blizzard deployments out east that got our name out there and that statewide resource. Uh, it's like a database that all the first responders and sheriff's departments and stuff can dive into. So they, you know, we got we got noticed in there. Um, so we actually do get calls directly from sheriff's departments. Um, Gilpin County and Clear Creek County are probably the top two. Um, we've received some calls from Boulder County before. Okay. Um, so, you know, if it's kind of, it's not really uh, like their uh, county SAR team qualifying, it's not, it's not like life or death. Right. Um, and they don't need to uh, dispose, or I should say, indispose of their resources to potentially, you know, hamper a, a more important call, uh, we'll go help them out. They'll call us directly. Uh, sometimes we get 911 relays um, that, again, don't qualify for their search and rescue are, are, team. Are any of these life-threatening situations, or is it mainly vehicle recovery? Um, so we have done a few that are right on that border of, of like, this is this is like snowstorms coming yeah, in. Yeah, snowstorms coming yeah. in. It is very easy to get caught uh, in Colorado near or above tree line mm -hmm. in flash blizzards. Um, you can't see where you're going. You just drive right off the trail and, uh, we'll go, uh, do a, an extraction at that point where we'll leave your vehicle. We'll go pick you up, take you to your house, or if you're from out of state, at least a nearby hotel, um, and get you safe. And then we'll schedule that recovery mission for later. Cause it's too dangerous for you to be out there. It's honestly, it's a little dangerous for us to be out there too. So I, I used to ski patrol for a long time in my life. Uh, and, uh, one of our rules was always, you know, you never put the rescuers in harm's way. Right? Right. People think that, you know, you watch movies and you're like, yeah, but it, but it doesn't work that way. Right. Right. Because nothing worse than having to rescue a rescuer. <laughs> right. And and that's, you know, it is actually kind of funny that you mentioned that because we have uh, as part of our deployment requirements, everybody that deploys in the field needs to have a bag like a 72 hour pack, something to sustain you for three days 
And we're, since we're vehicle centric, uh, most of us have them set up to be like you're going to live in your vehicle okay. until the you know the cavalry comes from the rest of the team to or come get us unstuck. Yeah, or you can get yourself out. Or, so, or the mountain lion gets bored of mm-hmm, right. <laughs> stalking you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. But yeah, we have our own like we have our own survival kits and stuff in the vehicles that roll around with us all the time. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, so now we've got somebody who, like you said, you've got you've got two like you're working two recoveries right now. Uh, somebody gets a hold of you. Tell me what happens then. So, how does a team uh, consolidate, and how do you guys work this? Yep. So, being that it's all volunteer, it's not yep. like a, it's not like your traditional um, like a county team where there's uh, on standby. Like yeah, you're on standby. Yeah. Um, we're we're not really on standby. Um, like everybody's got a full-time job. We do have a lot of few, a uh, lot, quite a few people, excuse me, that are retired. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can devote a tremendous amount of time to fulfilling these missions, which is just fantastic. We absolutely love our volunteers. They're, they're great. Um, but you know, if you're available, uh, I can get on a lot of the stuff that's scheduled out because then I can move my work schedule around. Um, anything in, you know, like Larimer County that's semi-urgent where I live, um, I can pretty much duck out of and get to within 45 minutes, and it, it doesn't really affect my work too much. Um, but there, I think there are other people that are in a similar situation yeah, where they're it, working from home, and, yeah. they, and they're, they've got their rig ready to go. Yeah, and uh, you know, we can, it's not like when you call 911 and your house is on fire and the fire department's there in four minutes. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it can take uh, you know, upwards of an hour before the team is actually built and rolling, um, which is why you know, if it's a life-threatening thing it we need to pass it off to the search and rescue team so so when you say team how many people usually take part in a recovery yeah so it depends on the severity of the call um you know a real simple just somebody needs winched out of a rut uh that they're hung up in it might only be two people okay um we've done some really high profile or i should say two vehicles um we've done some really kind of higher profile missions uh, that will send, you know, 10, 15 different vehicles. And on top of that, uh, extra bodies to ride along with them. Just when you're working at 13,000 feet, it's exhausting. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you've got to cycle people out. You'll, you'll get them altitude sick and, and they just, it gets dangerous. Yeah. So, you know, we'll send, we've sent, you know, dozen plus, 15 plus uh, for really big ops. We'll send in two teams. Like that first team will come in the morning, and that second team will show up after lunch and relieve the first team. Okay. All right, so let's talk about some of the more interesting things you've done. How long have you been with the organization? I joined in the uh, middle of 2017, right, right around so, June-ish. Yeah, so yeah. four years now. Yeah, I've been about four years. Four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why did you decide to join personally? What was your motivation? Yeah, so um, I've always been exposed to off-roading. Uh, yeah. Ever since I was a kid, we've had ATVs. Mom and Dad would take us camping. I mean, I've, I've been in the mountains since I could ever remember. Um, When I finally stepped up and bought a Jeep, um, that was about the time that the organization was growing and actually like it kept showing up on Facebook. So I started following it and paying attention to it and realized this is really cool. I want to do this. And uh, so basically when I finally decided like, hey, let's let's sign up. um, There's, you know, it's a dues based organization. I mean, you know, it's pay to play. We're credentialed with the state, background checks, everything. We have ID cards for the state. Um, and that, you know, that all covers that. But So how uh, much does it cost if you want to join? Yeah, it's 150 bucks, or excuse me, it's 100 bucks a year right now. That's uh, yeah. reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, that's very reasonable. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it covers your, it's an extensive multi-state background check. If you've lived in multiple states, 
it goes you know all the way back. So and, you you want to make sure the people yeah. that you're sending out to recover are yeah people you want to be recovered by. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you treat it. That's what gets our name out there yeah. on as a statewide resource. Yeah. Is, you know, we're vetted credentialed members. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, you got vetted. Um, and then tell me about your first, let's start with the easy stuff before we get into like the cool yep. like, and the dangerous and the uh, unusual. Yep. Uh, tell me about your first uh, call that you got. Um, so actually, I want to say one of my first was up on Argentine Pass. Okay. I, I don't remember the exact sequence of which one was first, but um, it was a... Uh, Why don't you describe Argentine so people have a sense yeah, for what so, it is? So when you go up, uh, it's outside of Georgetown, um, and you go up, um, I think it's... Lamertine Road. Yeah, yeah the, little, the little like road. That yeah, there's two that go right next to each other. Right, yeah. one's, one's just real easy. One kind of meanders through the, through the creek. Um, once you get up uh, high enough on Argentine, you get above tree line yeah. really quickly. And we just did a video actually on Argentine Pass where we compared um, side by side to the Bronco to the TRX. Yeah, so there's... It's there's, a pretty, it's not, there's nothing really difficult. No, it's just a fun trail. It's I a mean, fun trail, yeah. There's, there's the McClellan side, which we've done quite a few on, and then there's the Argentine side. But there's, there's one spot on each one of those trails that uh, the snow tends to stay. Uh -huh. It's just like a little bit of a glacier field looking... Uh, and, and that snow tends to stay. So the first one... And we should kind of clarify, this has been a really unusual year, uh, but unless you're snow wheeling, you usually have maybe four or five months, right? Because right. the yeah. snow comes in early and then it stays late. Yeah. Like this is so unusual to be able to be above tree line with inches yeah. of yeah. snow instead of feet. It, basically, the, 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 the snow covers the trail and it's not like it's, you know, it's not like right. you're thinking of a Christmas road. It's it's a right. big... <laughs> it, they become very wind-blown <laughs> and... And, uh, and you lose the trail. And one of my absolute favorite things to do is to go snow wheeling. I know, you're a and, Oh, yeah. It terrifies I, me. I, but, yeah. Oh, I absolutely love it. And Colorado's snow wheeling is not like it is in the Pacific Northwest. This snow does not have structure to it. It is like powdered sugar. It is, it'd be literally like dumping a bowl of powdered sugar on the ground and then trying to stand on top of it. It, you, it's impossible. So, <laughs> so, so you were going up to Argentine Pass. Yeah, yeah. And what? Tell me about it. So this, uh, it was a Toyota, uh, Toyota Tacoma. Is that the smaller one? Yep. Um, I'm not. Uh, yeah, Tacoma. Uh, not and a, I'm not. Yep, a, you I'm got not a Toyota person, but uh, they had tried to go across this uh, snow field, and it was at just about the right enough angle, about 20 to 25 degree side hill, that it threw them off the side of the the road. Well, that shelf, you, you've been up there, that shelf is about 25 degrees for a couple thousand feet all the way to the bottom. So they had got an entire vehicle width off of the road and stopped. I mean, luckily, they, they, they didn't, didn't keep going. You cannot get yourself out of that situation. It is not possible. You cannot drive out of that no. uh, with you know, most vehicles. You have to have some serious tires. Uh, to be able to float on top of that really loose scree that's up there. Um, so we go up, uh, we put a vehicle in front and a vehicle in the, or two vehicles in the back. And basically uh, we set up a, as a pendulum. You uh, run your, the vehicle that was in front of me, uh, I was the second one in back. Mm -hmm. The vehicle that was in front of me went up to our first car that was in front of the stuck truck and then redirected a winch line down to the front end of that Toyota. And then I came off of the uh, uh, back corner of the uh, vehicle in front of me and went to the rear of that truck. And we just winched, literally pulled him sideways back onto the road, letting him drive back and forth as we did it. Mm. And eventually they just come up on the road. 
uh, and and then you're recovered and you can drive out. Seems so, simple, but Ar- that, Argentine from your house is probably two hours. It is, yeah. <laughs> yep. So that, I mean, beans, that was my first one, and, and I think that was uh, – I think that was a Friday. So Fridays are typically a pretty light, like, work day. Yep. Um, and uh, I went up there to help out with that and, and learned a ton uh, just to, to see exactly how, you know, you rig up something like that. And um, I mean, you know, it, that sounds really simple, but that was like a four-hour operation. Yeah, I, I, so, I, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to kind of show what we do there up on the yeah. up on the board, so people understand uh, what yeah. what you're doing. Uh, and w- how did you feel after you did that? Did they so when they got stuck? Did they walk out or how? Did, you know, so let's, let's talk about even walking out. So at that right. point, to walk out of there would be probably a three hour walk. Yeah, hour. I mean it's a long way to go back down. That was to Georgetown. Yeah, that was almost to the top of Argentine. Oh um, God, that's even longer. Yeah, most of the time. Um, I want to say most people will run into someone else on the trail and they okay. get it, like hitchhike their way out. Um, or somebody comes and helps yeah, them. Yeah, somebody come and help yeah. them, you know, get them out. Um, yeah, I mean, hiking out, that happens That happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we always, uh, you know, we invested in a sat phone a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, sat phones and those satellite, those two-way messengers. Yeah, those um, are also the new, yeah. or, or even, even... You know, even those emergency beacons, right, yep. where it connects to satellite yeah. and then it, like, texts. hit an SOS, SOS button. SOS and yeah. it texts, yeah. So these are devices that you guys, if you're out here wheeling, uh, obviously, the, let's talk about that. So there's different forms of communication that you can have uh, to rescue yourself, right? Yep. So uh, obviously you said you can have a cell phone, yep. but even though there are places in the mountains where uh, you do have signal, there are a lot of places where you don't. Right. So then the next kind of cheap solution would just be a little like a little recovery device it's a little it's it uplinks to a satellite right and you can like text uh, a set of phone numbers that you've got pre-programmed in it to tell yep. them and then the, the, the then the little device basically gives you the coordinates yes of where you're at yep not they're, they're, yeah. they're not expensive it's no, a monthly they're not service spot makes one spot, yeah uh, garmin I, I, when uh, i was when i was doing a lot of dirt biking i had a little spot because yeah. it was it wasn't expensive yeah a lot of us have come to really like the zolio devices yeah because yeah. uh, those are those are a, a two-way i mean the uh the garmin's will do two-way as well but the zolio does two-way um and it just links to your phone like it's literally just a box there's no buttons on it except sos and a power button uh, but it just links to your phone, and then you can actually, you don't have to have contacts built in. You can just SMS anybody. Anybody, yeah. 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 You can just type in a phone number. And, so. and that's cheaper. You could also have, like, um, there, there's, there's radios, right? But the problem with the radios is the range is limited. Yeah. There's family band, and then there's, like, a better band that yeah. you can use. Yeah. Uh, but maybe you can get a couple of miles out of that. Then yeah. You to find somebody. And, and actually, if I can touch on that a little bit, um, yeah. uh, amateur radio, ham radio. Um, yeah, we, we have one of probably, at least in this part of the country, one of the most robust statewide networks, there's actually two of them. Uh, one's digital, one's an analog system uh, that there's monitor, there's, there's volunteers monitoring the Colorado Connection ham radio uh, linked system here in Colorado 24 oh, hours a day. And we've actually received some relays through ham radio. So we, we all have ham radios in our vehicles. Um, it's a fantastic communication tool. Uh, a lot of times our dispatch team you know, is down in Denver uh, or if someone up north where I'm at is monitoring, we can hear what's going on in Buena Vista. Wow! From our house that's, in Loveland. Yeah, so that's, that's a lot of range. It's it's pretty cool. I mean that that's not direct. That's through repeater systems and you know link stuff. But it's a fantastic tool to have. And then 
sat phones are, yeah. you know, I don't know how much I said. I think ours was like $500 for the yeah. phone. And then I think we pay something like 50 bucks a month for the yeah, service. That's pretty reasonable. I mean, yeah. look, look, if you're ever in that situation, the 500 bucks yeah. is going to seem really cheap. When your life is on the line, <laughs> yeah. the cost really doesn't matter. And then with sat, sat phones, they work pretty much. It's like, as long as you're line of sight with a satellite. Yeah. And if you're in the mountains, chances are, Unless you're in a gully somewhere. Yeah, you're you can't be in a cave or a gully. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. You're probably going to have line of sight to a satellite. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So that was your very first one. So talk yeah. to me about some of the more kind of interesting ones that you've done. Yeah. Uh, you've been doing it for a while, but you've got a list there, I see. Yeah. Tell, I, me, tell me some of the ones that, that, that have been, you know, so, that, that have been noteworthy. Yeah. So probably the, the, the most noteworthy one in my mind uh, was um, up on Radical Hill. Um, yep. And that's just on the other side of Webster. And uh, it was a gentleman and his dog, and they were going up that really steep shelf to get up on top where you can, I think you can either drop down to like St. Saint, Saint John or yeah, you can like go over three, to Breckenridge. There's like three valleys yeah. there, right? You can go, there's Webster, and then there's Radical, and then you go down to Deer Creek, and then you yeah. can go to St. John's, or you can go to the back end, and you can go back to Breckenridge. So it's all kind of between, if, you, if you're not from Colorado, it's kind of between Breckenridge and Keystone. Yeah. And uh, he was going up that really steep shelf, and it, it gets really tippy, and it leans you out, and it's uh, it, it's it's radical for a reason. That's I mean, uh, it that one that's probably one of the few trails that actually at the beginning of my off roading in a in a jeep, uh, that one really got my attention. Like that. Had yeah, I've never own. I've never done it just for that reason. I'm yeah. too scared. That, Honestly, that, I'm too scared. That one got my heart rate up. Yeah. That was that was a fun one, but. There's one really skinny spot as you're going up that that's a little bit washed out. And you just if you just hug your tires to the inside of that rock, you drive right through it, no problem. He must have been too close to the edge or something. And that vehicle rolled from that upper shelf all the way down to the bottom. Which is, um, which is a long way. Is a long way. A couple ways. thousand feet, yeah. probably. And just scattered things everywhere. And honestly, the only reason why that, that guy survived is he was ejected. Yeah, that happens a lot. It happens yeah. at Black Bear Pass, too. Yeah. So uh, I think this is a good place to touch upon the sports bar versus roll bar of yep. a Wrangler. So there's a reason Jeep calls the roll bar, or what many people consider a roll bar on their Jeep a sports bar, and that's because it's not a roll bar. Right. It's designed to catch you in a flop. Yeah. Or if you put the thing on its roof, it's designed to catch you. It is not designed to catch you rolling five, six, seven, eight times. Yeah. It will completely smash in. It'll, it'll pancake. Yeah. And you have a very strong chance of not surviving that. So I think him and his dog both got ejected, right? Yes, they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is yeah. thankful. And actually, and, on Black Bear Pass recently, people have rolled, and they've also been ejected. And so, yes. You know, usually... Um, so, yeah, this is also that interesting. That Black Bear video was horrifying. I know. Like, holy cow. So uh, my dad, who is you know very old school, used to not wear seatbelts because his mm-hmm. his notion was that if the vehicle got in a car crash, he didn't want to be pinned in the vehicle so that he could come and rescue me and my mom, which is you know logically dubious, but scientifically it's just not right. Because right. <laughs> chances are, if you're in a car crash and you're not wearing yeah. a seatbelt, you will go flying through the uh, you know windshield, and then you will suffer much more. 
pain yeah. and damage than if you were belted in. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in this situation, this is one of the rare situations where you're probably better off, especially, yeah. and, and let's face it, like when we did Miller Rock, your buddy had actually reinforced, you can buy reinforcements yeah. to the Jeep's um, sports bar to make it more of a roll bar, like, you know, like a full-on race car roll yeah. bar, where if you do this thing where it, it tumbles down the side of a mountain, then you will be, as long as you keep your hands in the vehicle, yeah. you'll, you should be okay. Yep, you, or you more or less. Be. Yeah. And the the redesign of the Jeep from the JKs to the JLs, that sport bar is actually a little bit stronger because that reinforcement kit that people like to put in their their JKs, uh, it is substantially different on the JLs. Mm. Um, so that, that windshield frame assembly is a little more strong, but it's still not rated for a multi-rollover impact. Yeah, and the, so. the, the difference is there's a famous video People, there was a famous video where, oh gosh, was it a BMW? I forget what the car was. They were running uh, Pikes Peak Hill Climb, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they went flying. I mean, they just go flying off the off the road. And then, you know, this incredible sequence of tumbles happens where they're just tumbling. And yeah. you think this is these people are going to die. And then the vehicle eventually comes to a stop. And, like, the doors pop open. The guys walk out. And they're kind of like, what the heck was that? Right. So that, that's a roll bar. That's a, that's a full-on, like, welded-in cage, cage yeah. yeah, to the frame. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's not yeah. what the Jeep has. No, that's not what a Jeep has. <laughs> All right. So, so, this, so this guy rolled the Jeep. Uh, and now you've got a situation where I, I take it by the time you had gotten there, he had been – Oh, he yeah. survived. Yes. Yeah. I should this, say that. He and the dog, and the dog actually – Actually, like came like trotting into town eventually. Um, so I think actually, weeks. I think on that one, the dog actually stayed with him. Oh, did he? Um, yeah? yeah, yeah. There's a there's a second uh, second one that I was not on that we can talk about where yeah. that where the dog was ultimately found. But uh, yeah, on on that radical hill one, I mean, we we had to drag that thing out like it was completely not able to roll. Yeah, um, so now, the guy's gone at this point. Yeah. He's in the hospital. So now you guys get called in, and you've got this Jeep in the middle of nowhere yeah. that, that has been completely crushed to some extent. Yeah. So what, what happens then? Yeah, so luckily, the I mean, this is up above treeline again, um, and luckily the train worked in our favor because it happened on some switchbacks. Yeah. So we took uh, one of our trucks and parked a truck up on top and had a winch line down to it uh, so we could actually drag the vehicle up closer to the shelf road uh, on the on that switchback section, and then when we got it basically up there, and like this sounds super easy, but again, this was like a six-hour operation. Um, we drug that thing up to the road, and then we had one vehicle on each side of it, and we just pivoted that thing around uh, and, and got it to a point to where it was actually pointed downhill on the trail, and then we proceeded to literally we had to drag it down about a quarter of a mile by absolute brute force because it had like one functioning tire. Wow. So, I mean, everything was flat. Uh, The suspension was torn off of it. We had to rebuild parts of the suspension. Um, We had shops and folks donating like springs, anything. Just we didn't care if it was the right length or anything because we just needed it to roll. Because and, otherwise, you're going to have a Jeep that's, you know, cluttering up right. this pristine mountain yeah. alpine terrain. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and they have to come out. Like everybody says, I'll oh, just leave it. No. I mean, th- they need to come out. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you, you, there's, there's oil in the engine. There's coolant. Gas. There's gas. You know, yeah. it, it's got to come out. So we go in and, and get it. All right. Um, and then, obviously, you're not involved in, like, the insurance afterwards, right? No. That's, mm-hmm. that's, you just You just drop it off and yeah. then it goes to wherever the right right yeah and usually you know the, the insurance company's got a tow truck arranged um i've not ever heard of like an insurance company denying claims i don't know if that's happened hmm. but i mean i know at least on that one the insurance company was working with that gentleman that was a very viral 
nationwide. I think I even got worldwide coverage on that one because that was pretty severe. Is there a so, video somewhere of this? There is, yeah. yeah. yeah it's on It's on YouTube. Okay. Uh, it's just uh, like Radical Hill Rollover. Okay. Um, and you have your own YouTube channel. What's, yeah. your, what's your YouTube channel? It's literally just my name, Justin King. Okay. And, and then what, what's up there if people want to go check stuff out? It's everything. Yeah. I mean, I have everything up there. It's it's personal uh, off-roading trips. It's, it's, it's some camping stuff. Okay. There's... Uh, it goes way back, you know, 15 years. So <laughs> right. there's there's a little bit of everything, but it is very off-road centric in the last like 10, seven years probably. All right, let's talk about some more recoveries. So yeah. what's another one that you, you want to kind of? Yeah. Tell me so about? this one I was not on. Yeah. Um, but uh, it happened outside of Buena Vista on Iron Chest, mm-hmm. and uh, it, this one was uh, sadly it was a fatal. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a huge uh, boulder in the middle of the trail that was an obstacle. You had to either you know drive around or you know if you had this skinny enough vehicle, you could go on the inside. I've n- I've never done Iron Chest. It's a trail I've I've not driven. I've only been to Buena Vista twice, um, but I really wanted to get on this mission and I just couldn't. It was one of those work balance things. It's probably three hours from where we're at. Yeah. It's, it's a ways. It, it takes me about three and a half if traffic's cooperating yeah. to get there. Um, so that one, that was a fatal. Um, and that vehicle, uh, as that was rolling, uh, that person also was ejected. Um, I don't know if they had a seatbelt on or not, if they just slipped out of it. Um, but they were basically crushed by that vehicle as it rolled by. Um, and the dog was also ejected from the vehicle. Um, so after, you know, that, we're not involved at that point. That's that's way above the seriousness right. of, you know, that's of a death. Um, so after all that was uh, dealt with, um, that vehicle was so far down, like you could hardly see it. Hmm. It was so far off the trail. Um, I believe it was CORE, um, Colorado Off-Road Enterprise. Um, and I could be misspeaking on this, but I think it was also State of Trail. Went up there and helped remove that great big boulder that was in the way. So they moved the boulder, actually. Yeah, wow. and and also while they were up there, they set some anchors specifically just for this recovery. They drilled anchors into the huge, you know, it's slab of basically bedrock. It was an immovable boulder, uh, and they set some anchors so that way we could go up there. Um, and that was a that was a multi. That wasn't just us. There was multiple organizations involved in getting that vehicle recovered because it was thousands of feet of rope to go you know, to the, to the rock and down, you know, with multiple vehicles sharing that load, dragging it all the way up the hill. Um, but, w- you know, when that vehicle was uh, 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 being recovered, um, you know, just the amount of resources and stuff that were on that trail, we actually had to close it. So we had the Forest Service involved. Um, you know, Stay the Trail again helps us close trails when we need to temporarily to get a vehicle out. Because um, we don't want to have someone in there ahead of us and then get stuck like on a one way in, one way out. You don't want them to get stuck up there for 12 hours. Yeah. Since we have everything rigged. So how long did that recovery take? That was a that was all day. I mean, yeah. they I want to say they were on scene by like 7:30, 8 o'clock in the morning, and they were rolling out of there after dark. Yeah. In the summertime. Yeah. So, you know, sun sets at nine something here in the summertime. So. So so let's talk about kind of um, just from you know a recovery perspective. Um, between the two most famous rollovers that happened here recently. So I think two years ago, and this they were both on Black Bear Pass, right? Two years ago, we had a Jeep yeah. uh, that went rolling off of Black Bear Pass. So let's talk about 
what Black Bear Pass is, which is a shelf road. And I got to tell you, I hate shelf roads because while it's not difficult, there's right. you know, there's different yeah. kinds of off-roading, right? There's rock yeah. crawling. Most off-roading is just dirt road. Yeah. But a shelf road is a dirt road on the side of a mountain that usually, you know, if you get it wrong, you will roll yeah. off the mountain. Yeah, they're, they uh, shelf road driving um, can be literally as smooth as the asphalt roads you drive on in town. But if you take your eyes off of that road and don't respect it for a few seconds, you can drive right off of it if you're not paying attention. Yeah, so the two, um, the two incidents I'm talking about, there was a video a couple of years ago that went viral where uh, you, you see somebody who had like a dash cam rolling and then this Jeep just comes flying down the mountain. Yeah. Uh, rolling, rolling, rolling. That was a Wrangler, I think, where mm -hmm. where the parking brake. Yeah, I want to. I want to say if I remember correctly on that, it was a manual, yeah. um, and the parking brake either wasn't set fully, or maybe just over. Like I mean, mine. You know, you have to adjust them. Maybe yep. it was just a little bit out of adjustment. And the vehicle, the vehicle and rolled it, off. It the rolled. Mountain. It yeah, rolled. It rolled. And then the latest one this year, which happened this year, was a Bronco Sport, mm -hmm. where uh, there were people who were going. There's a there's like a wedding venue up there, and they were going up. Yeah. The, you can go up. It's a one-way road about halfway up the mountain. And they, they, they figured out that they had gone past the one-way part of the road, and then they were trying to turn around. Uh, and in, in the process of turning around, the Bronco Sport, once again, uh, went too far, went off, and then rolled down the hill. Uh, yeah. and actually, I was looking at the pictures, and it actually stuck together pretty well. I was amazed at how well the, the actual structure of the vehicle held yeah. up. Yeah, that, uh, that incident floated around our, our team, um, our little internal use members page, um, and you could tell that it looked like it said Bronco. It was like, but that's too small to be a, a full-size Bronco. And that's, you know, then the story, you know, started coming out. It was like, oh, it was a Bronco Sport. That really held together good. <laughs> so. so, you know, the, the thing I've, I've learned over the years is that um, I used to think when I first came to Colorado that when you were kind of wheeling right, it goes from like, like there's warnings, like it goes from being, you know, just a nice road to it gets harder and eventually you hit some obstacle and you're like, you have choices. But oftentimes that's not how it happens, right? Either right. either because of the weather conditions where a storm rolls in and it changes like that, or because of the off-road conditions. Right. Uh, it just goes from like a, a Sunday drive to like, I am terrified to I am oh, way over my head. So what, what would you tell people who are first coming here so that they don't have to call your services? What are some great tips that you could pass along? Yeah, uh, you know, don't ever exceed your your comfort level and your limit. Mm. Um, and s unfortunately, sometimes you have to get stuck to understand that limit. Um, but you can also tell. Um, I was out just, you know, personally myself, um, and, and I'll go out solo uh, messing around. Um, and I was up uh, Red Feather Lakes right at the end of November before they started shutting gates and stuff. And, and again, I love snow bashing. I was up on a trail that shouldn't be accessible this time of year, and I wanted to go down a little bit further um, to, a, to a camping spot that I'd been to. And I came up on one of those Colorado snow drifts yep. that has about four inches of ice on top and powdered sugar on the bottom. <laughs> the bottom yeah. So, you know, it was one of those, like, in my head, like, I have everything with me. I had chains. I've got recovery gear. I've got recovery gear for days in in that jeep you i turned around i turned around you, you yeah i mean i've i've gone out to get myself stuck like that and i didn't want to spend the three hours getting myself unstuck alone yeah um i you know it, it's the same thing when you go out and you're venturing out uh you're doing some exploring here from out of state we've recovered a lot of rental vehicles um that 
they just they're going out and um, it's a normal flat road and they get on this time of year you get onto that north slope and there's two inches of snow on the ground but it is a solid sheet of ice underneath of it and whoop, right off the road it goes so you know we'll go up and, and we'll pull vehicles back onto the roads um, just don't uh, don't push it don't exceed your comfort level because uh, your 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 sixth sense is usually right uh -huh. If yeah, you were so thinking in your you, head, a little spidey sense going off. This is probably a little sketchy. Shouldn't do this. It is sketchy. Then you probably shouldn't do it, Be because if you're by yourself, it it can get pretty dangerous pretty quick. When you get your vehicle stuck, uh, like if you've got a half tank of gas or less, and you get your vehicle stuck at the right angle, that fuel pump's sucking air. You have a half tank of gas. Your fuel pump is sucking air, so you can't run the engine. And a lot of people don't think about that. Good point. And we've run into that a lot. I mean, we'll take like three gallons of gas up there and the thing fires right up. Yeah. And as soon as you get it back on the flat, they have a half tank of gas again. Yeah, there's that saying, so, you know, what's the world's fastest vehicle? It's a rent-a-car. But in this case, a rent-a-jeep is probably not the world's <laughs> most accomplished Jeep, <laughs> even though the owner might think so. <laughs> so, hey, are the people you rescue when they're there, are they grateful? What, oh, what, what are their responses? Oh, yeah, have? absolutely. I mean, some you know, sometimes there's a, a steep level of embarrassment. And uh, would tell every, every single person, especially the ones that, that I've been on, like, there's no reason to be embarrassed about this. Like, we've all done it. Literally, some of the folks on our team are hunters that have been out in hunting season. They've been stuck. And we'll go recover them. Then they become members. And, and you know, it's just, it's like that way of giving back. Um, but, yeah, usually, you know, everybody's just ecstatic and, and grateful for the help uh, to get their vehicle back, get their property back. So do you see people that maybe um, are overconfident in their rigs or their ability, or is it just the circumstances? What, what, how do most of these people get into these situations? What's, what's been your expertise? Yeah, uh, some of it's, it's – uh, sometimes it's mechanical. Okay. Um, it, it just you, – you blow a drive shaft, um, and it's, it's really hard to limp a vehicle out in – Two-wheel drive. Two drive. Whether it's if you break your rear drive shaft, you know, and you're running out on front-wheel drive, it's just hard. Vehicles need four-wheel drive on some of this some of this terrain to get themselves through stuff. Um, sometimes it's freak accidents. Uh, we did a rollover. Um, I, I went on this one, uh, Old Flowers Road, um, west of Fort Collins. That's a nothing trail. There's just one really steep section. It's a beautiful drive in the fall. Uh, and... Uh, I want to say that, uh, it was a manual transmission, and I want to say the gal said that she either slipped off the clutch or it wasn't, she either didn't have any gear, something to that effect. And in two seconds, that vehicle rolled backwards at just a little bit of an angle, caught the upward edge of the trail, and just flopped it in like two seconds. It just freak accident. So, and sometimes it's folks that are blatantly, intentionally pushing the envelope a little bit too far which complicates it for us because we have to be able to get in there too. There's been some vehicles that have sat all winter. Yeah, I was gonna ask you, have you left vehicles out there all winter? Yeah, there's been, there's been some times that that's happened. Um, Kingston Peak is probably one of the more noted uh, incidents that that happened. And I wanna say that was the winter of 17 yeah. uh, because I was actually down at the Air Force Academy uh, with a, a Boy Scout troop. Okay. And the, 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 the phone was going off, like it was page, 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 page. And um, there was some folks that had gone up on the up on Kingston, 
and they had dropped down um, again above tree line and they had dropped down and got into snow that felt structural and then they buried it and then our team went up there to get them and we buried it so then when that happens you know we roll everybody I mean, anybody that's available and can respond. So when you guys get stuck, it's all hands on board. It's all hands on board. And that does not happen very often. It has happened. I mean, it's probably happened five or six times that I can think of. But as many people as possible go. And, like, there was a very legitimate risk that even our own team members' vehicles were going to sit all winter on that one because that's how stuck they were. And we did get everybody out, luckily. But, uh, I mean, there was multiple vehicles on Kingston that year um, after that fact that sat all winter. And, and did they start in the spring? Uh, some of them did. Some of them did not because okay. rodents. Oh, start bunching on the Love wires. that soy-covered wiring that yeah. we use on our vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> so some of them did not start up. But, I mean, you know, by then the snow's gone. You just hook them up and flat tow them out. So, so let, let's say you're coming to Colorado and you're going to want to go wheeling. Is there mm-hmm. anything you'd recommend that people bring with them? Is there like a, like, like a list of things that you could say this is something you might want to consider? Because, look, sure, it's like even, even if you're – we get a lot of emails from people saying, hey, I'm coming to Colorado. I want to go wheeling. Where should we go? Right? And even if you pick something relatively straightforward, like the Switzerland Trail, mm-hmm. which is an old train trussle that goes yep. from Boulder up to Netherlands. We've done rollovers on that one. Exactly. It's, <laughs> yeah. It can happen anywhere. Yeah. It's, it's, it, 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 it go, that's yeah. what's so, so terrifying. It goes from yeah. like like a Sunday drive to, right. to oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very quickly. That's how quick it happens. Um, you know, for something to bring with, it's, it's kind of season dependent, too. Um, this time of year. Don't say beer. No, no, no. You really shouldn't be <laughs> a, doing a that. A fine fall ale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be drinking a drive. We've, we've had that happen too. Uh, that, that, that gets. To pair with your Jeep. Yeah, that gets, that gets exciting quick. Um, but, a uh, wheat. Yeah, <laughs> whatever the seasonal lager is. Um, you know, bring, um, if it's, if it's wintertime, you should have a, a little extra, like, I would say winter kit in your vehicle. Um, Kitty litter is a great traction aid Mm. uh, just to get you, like sometimes all you need is just that little bit of momentum to get you through. So so my friend uh, uh, Matt imports Max Tracks, so you don't have to have Max Tracks. You can just go (laughs) Kitty Those are great too. Like that that literally is uh, one of the things that is extremely popular in recoveries. It actually works really good to protect your winch lines when you're pulling over, like if you're coming up and onto the road. If you you have some synthetic rope, it's not going to tear it up. You can put, you can stack a couple of those together and run them down the the grooves in there. Yeah, interesting. And it helps. You're not, your winch isn't coming in fast enough to burn it. So you really don't risk like chewing a hole right through your max tracks, but uh, you know extra clothing, um, even just a, the simplest amount of recovery gear, uh, a tree strap with a shackle and a winch. Like if you're going to off road, you should have a winch. You can get yourself out of ninety percent of the things that you can get yourself into with a winch, and one tree strap and a shackle. And don't just wrap the winch line around the tree. You'll kill the tree. Or you'll break your winch line. It's funny. You know, like There are like two things that are ubiquitous to off-roading, right? A winch and a snorkel. Yeah. So are you saying the more important of those two is the winch? The winch is definitely – like there's that old saying of like lockers before light bars. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're out at night, like the amount of lights that we have on some of our vehicles is very nice. But uh, winches, uh, that is easily the number one tool 
Yeah, and that you know, you have. There's, they come in all prices. You know, we've worked yeah. with Warren, obviously, because that's yep. a, a partner of ours. But you can get them. You can go to Harbor Freight. Yeah, you can get you, yourself. It, cause a winch can be expensive. Let's face it. Yeah. A nice Warren winch with a synthetic cable can be easily over a thousand dollars. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And then that's not including, of course, the, the you know the the bumper that you're going to need the winch ready yeah. bumper to put it on. Yep. And you know, it's actually it's kind of funny you mentioned uh, Warren. I kind of want to throw this out there. Um, we have a pretty rigorous training uh, curriculum that that we follow. So we know how to calculate our loads, and and we know you know what our gear is rated to, and what what forces we can put on that gear with no risk. But I mean, there's still safety zones. Like you shouldn't be standing anywhere near that winch line when it's operating. Um, but uh, um, Warren uh, doesn't rate their winch lines that come on their the winches. New ones, the synthetic ones, you mean? Yeah. So they won't tell you what its braking strength is. Like it's perfectly like you can use it if you have a twelve thousand pound winch, you can put twelve thousand pounds on that line. But you don't know how much more. But you don't know how much more. Mm-hmm. So when we get into some of these more complex riggings that we do, we can actually rig up ways to uh, double and triple that force going through that line. Uh, and then the problem doesn't become the, the winch weight factor; it becomes the the, the point at which the Right. Cable snaps. Right, when that rope snaps. Yeah. Or the cable, if you're running a cabled winch. Yeah. Those are really dangerous when they snap. So that stuff flings everywhere. And Yeah, luckily, I think most, unless you have really old school, most people yeah. are going, even, even like the, 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 the budget winches yeah. now don't use A lot the of the stuff's coming with, with yeah. uh, synthetics. Synthetic, yeah. Yeah. And the problem mm-hmm. with synthetics, of course, is if you leave it in the sun too long, it starts to right. degrade. Yeah, you really should keep that protected. I run a winch cover on the front of my Jeep. Yeah. Everybody kind of laughs at that, but it's like that. you should see how, well, you might have seen how faded and just chewed up that winch cover is. I park my Jeep in the garage, so that's only seen the sun exposure I know. from when yeah, I'm it's out. It's crazy, I know. And it's all just destroyed after four years. So this, that, that would have been my winch line if it wasn't covered. So, um, so um, what's the most fun you've had on a recovery? Oh, <laughs> I mean... The snow. Yeah. Um, it it was actually it was actually it was highly embarrassing. I'll share the story anyway. Uh, I had just purchased that power wagon that I'm driving. Okay. And uh, I took it up to Red Feather to get on a snow recovery. Uh, it was a Jeep uh, back in a little bit south of Red Feather, and um, it was hung up in the snow. I proceeded to get myself stuck like seven times in a row trying to get to that vehicle <laughs> because every time I'd get that truck. We'd have to go over those great big old snow drifts. I mean, I was hitting these things at some speed. And it just, it was like hitting a brick wall. That snow was grabbing onto the frame of the truck and it was just bringing me to a complete stop and the tires couldn't make contact with the ground. And then you're high and, centered uh, and Yeah, and, <laughs> and this is what makes it like extra embarrassing is that vehicle did sit for a few days before we went and got it. We drove him right out. Yeah. We had to recover myself like seven different times. <laughs> so, the, you know. So, eh. the, re- so the, the rescuer got recovered more than the, yeah, the rescuee. Yeah. But, you know, I will say, like, the of the missions that are not, you know, the really serious, like people were seriously injured, yeah. they're all fun. Okay. You're out, you know, you're having a good time. Great people. Um, and it's just a good time. We all work very well together. We all have the same training. So, so um, before we wrap this up, let's talk about kind of the rigs that you guys have. So you, yeah. you yourself have a Wrangler with a, what, a three-inch lift, two-inch lift? With, it's a, that two-inch lift, yep. yeah. And on 35s? Wrangler. Yep, 35s. And then, then you've got, obviously, a, you just said a power wagon. Yep, and which, I, I put that on 35s. There's no lift required. You just yeah. slap them on. Which one is better? Mm, so that depends. depends. Suppose, it depends. Right? Yeah. yeah, it depends. If you need that kind of oomph and that pulling power uh, power wagon. 
Yeah. Uh, that thing is really planted off-road. It's so heavy. It's, it's planted. Like, I'll take that up. Uh, Kelly Flats is one I want to get you guys up sometime. Yeah. And I'll take the power wagon up that. Take the hardest lines. doesn't freak me out at all. Take the Jeep up that. That, 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 that trail still gets my attention, and I've done that trail 20 times. Yeah. Easily. Okay. Uh, what, what, what are some of the other rigs that the people, you know, that, that, that also volunteer have? So Yeah. It's, it's a mixture. Um, I mean, Is it know, pickup trucks? Is it yeah. all, all sorts? Uh, we've got F-150s, people, uh, you know, normal F-150s. We've got F-150 Raptors. There's Toyota Tacomas. Um, anything full size. We've got uh, Ford Super Duty Diesels, Power Wagons. Uh, we got Jeeps. Anything from... TJs to JKs to JLs. We've got and you've gladiators. got a deposit on, on the Bronco, I hear. I do. Yep, yeah. I do have a deposit on the Bronco. I actually emailed the dealership asking if they heard anything, yeah. and they said no. Hmm. So I'm going to have to play the waiting game. But and and actually, since you mentioned the Bronco, we do have a member that has a Bronco. There you go. Somebody's Just got, got it. Got it. So yeah. I mean, we have literally everything. And yeah. does one vehicle or type work better than the other, or does it depend on the on the recovery? It re- like really it. They're all within that same, like if you have a full-size truck, they're all within the same amount of weight. So if we need the weight of a truck to do pulling, we ask for the trucks. If it's just a, a Jeep that's stuck, anything, you know, the, the, the Toyotas, the lighter weight SUVs, the Jeeps, the Toyotas, that stuff, that can recover that stuff real easy. And so, the great thing is this is all free to the... It's all free, yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah, there's no there's no bill, there's no invoice uh you know, it's an entirely donation-based system. You know, we, we did a story that we took a lot of grief on that you told me about, about other, I'm not going to name names, but it's another YouTuber who does a very popular video. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, you know, just do it for free. Do it, do the right. videos. That what you pay for the recovery, and then you would have no issues. Right. I think it's great that you guys are out there, you know, volunteering your time and doing this as a community service. So if people want to go uh, to your uh, website, what is it again? Yeah, so www.co4x4rnr.org. And are you still looking for volunteers? Absolutely. All right. Yeah, we've and got we've got people that come on every month. All right. Uh, and uh, what's your personal website? Uh, I do not have a personal website. Your personal YouTube channel? Yeah, my, it's just my name, Justin King. Yeah. And then the org has an official YouTube channel. You just search that, Colorado 4x4 Rescue and Recovery. And is there it like a Facebook right page too? Yep. And it's, you know, again, Colorado 4x4 Rescue and Recovery. We're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, YouTube, and I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. And then if you guys are looking, a couple of years ago, uh, we did a build for a TJ, and then we sold it, and we donated the money to you yep, guys. I remember that. So if you guys are looking for a great... Uh, mm-hmm. Charity or a nonprofit that you want to do- donate to, uh, I-, I couldn't I couldn't re- recommend a better one. Yep. Um, you know, and so I think with that money, you guys bought some radios. There's, yep. I'm sure there's always use for additional yep. funds. We're always looking for for ways to help out the membership. Uh, uh, we have uh, I'm not exactly sure when we're going to do this, but we usually have an annual members banquet. The, oh, whole, the nice. whole COVID thing is yeah, yeah, it I, depends I, on where we try and hold yeah, it. Of course. Yeah. So you know, we usually have a, a membership banquet where there's just. Uh, lots of door prizes uh, and we've got sponsors um, that, that donate stuff for that and, and even members will donate stuff for that um, so we've had folks you know donate uh, winch lines and straps and uh, we actually had super winch I think it was super winch donated a winch like a full-on 18,000 pound rated winch and so that got given away. You know, it's it's just, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, so uh, thank you very much for taking the time to share uh, some of these recovery stories Absolutely. with us. Uh, and thank you guys for taking the time to listen to this podcast or watch it if you're on YouTube. And remember, check out tfl-studios.com where we put all of our news, views, and of course reviews all in one place. So if you want to see like the trip we had, the fun day we had at Miller Rock. 
uh, that's a place where you could get that. Or, um, yeah, it's all in one place. All right, see you guys next time. Ciao. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.